At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. podcast the podcast for cryptids and their keepers <laughs> that's us and if you're listening that's you too <laughs> did you want to give that one uh, more go no nope, i'm just gonna keep going i'm alex flanagan and i'm addison peacock and this is some semblance of our podcast <laughs> careful don't laugh too much people get mad when we do uh, that oh you're so right serious business um, this is a very, very serious podcast. Welcome to the wonderful world of cryptozoology. This is a very Let's serious... Be your guide through... The... Okay. This is an uh, NPR <laughs> look at cryptozoology. This is a very serious podcast. <laughs> this is Big Picture Cryptozoology. For serious NPR. people. I'm Terry Gross. Ah, oh, David, I was going to be Terry Gross. <laughs> no, I'm Terry Gross. No, I'm Terry Gross. It's my NPR sona. <laughs> and persona. That I'm very gross. <laughs> very disliked sister. I don't love that. Thank you guys for sticking with us through an unintentional hiatus. Life has been a little bit crazy. It's mostly just been, like, scheduling stuff. So I'm happy to finally get to this week's Cryptid with you guys, which is mine. Hello. Hi. Um, Which I picked out several weeks ago, and then we just, like, again, life has gotten in the way. Addison graduated from undergrad, so that's, like, a whole thing. I did. Thing. That was a whole it's thing. Like a huge big deal. We're very proud of her. <laughs> Thanks. And by we, I mean me and all of our listeners. I'm just sort of assuming you guys are proud of her. You should be. It's a big deal. I was pretty hot before, but now I'm one degree hotter. How have I never heard that horrible joke before? It's really, really bad, actually. Yeah, Someone actually said it to me and it made me feel kind of good, but I was like, what if it's saying it is kind of feels well, bad. Well, I don't mean to harsh your mellow. It's okay. Um, I, uh, but now I have a piece of paper that says I uh, spent four years uh, learning stuff. Isn't it great? Yeah, now I have a completely uh, very, very useful degree in musical theater. Uh, and here we are. So there you go. And now I'm going to go do three more years of school. Now you're in the real world. <laughs> nope, I'm going to go do more school. Now you're three years away from being in the real world. <laughs> cool. Anyway. Um, so first of all, big thanks to our sponsor this week, Studio Headphones. Studio is a headphone company that is totally changing the game, in my humble opinion. They're offering Bluetooth headphones that don't sacrifice sound quality for style or functionality, although they have a pretty sweet package of all three. Their headphones are stylish, they're comfortable, they're super, super practical, they've got an amazing battery life, and for... Uh, the duration of our partnership with them. If you go to their website and use our promo code KEEPER, you can score yourself a sweet discount. Yeah, you can. That's K-E-E-P-E-R, KEEPER. And that's on studio.com. S-U-D-I-O.com. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Addison and I both have pairs. Um, Tim and Andrew from our Horror Borealis podcast also have sets, and we all just love them. We're totally enamored with the sound quality, and like they look dope as anything. They're, oh, yeah, they're great. They're super, super sleek. <laughs> So get us in your ears by getting those in your ears, and it's going to be a fun time for everybody involved. Um, my cryptid this week, are you ready? Yeah, tell me what you brought. So I brought a uh, what may be a somewhat divisive topic this week, and I did actually play myself because I was thinking I'm going to come into this week, actually, and I kind of want to, like, come at it this time from a much more, like, information-heavy angle. I want to, like, synthesize all my sources in advance. I don't want to just, like, read different think pieces. I'm going to, like, come in and really know my stuff. Um, and then I had a glass of wine with dinner. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> I played myself. I played myself. Um, and part of the reason I picked this particular one is because I also played a character like this a couple weeks ago. I got to play Monster of the Week for the first time ever, which was hugely wildly exciting um, because I'd never actually gotten to play before. I just GM it all the time. And the character I played was from the Divine Playbook, which if you have never played Monster of the Week, is like your your Castiel or like your like demon character or your like angel or whatever. And so specifically I was playing a character that was the Archangel Gabriel um in the body of Keanu Reeves, but like just trying to figure out life on Earth and being like generally very confusing. It was a lot of fun for me and hopefully for some other people in my gaming party. But oh, it was great. I loved him. So my cryptid this week is actually Angels. Which I delighted by because I picked this cryptid a few weeks ago and then I know like just last week somebody in the Cryptid Keeper Appreciation Group on Facebook was asking like, do you guys think angels are a cryptid? And I didn't comment and I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to leave you on read. I just like wanted to come to this episode and not have given somebody a tip off. 
But yes, I do. <laughs> I do think they're cryptids. And we will talk about exactly why that is. We're going to get some fun tweets about this one. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, where do you stand on this? Do you agree with my broad classification? Well, I think especially um, given more traditional biblical interpretations, like looking back at like the Judeo-Christian uh, tradition, mm-hmm. that they are way more monstrous than they are like divine. Obviously, they're divine, but they're portrayed as being very like monstrous and unknowable and stuff. And I do think that that opens the door to considering them sort of in that world. Yeah, totally. So one of my personal pet peeves about angels, I don't consider myself to be like an angel expert by any means, or at least like I am more of one now than I was two weeks ago. Yeah. But I I did find them super fascinating when I was growing up. And for a while, I went into like this super deep dive on them. And the thing that has always bothered me about people's perceptions of angels, and I actually did find out in my research that this is like... Partly, it's a, like a widely held sort of misconception or oversight, um, although there are a couple of very specific religious traditions in which this is like a part of their belief system. So I'm not trying to drag anybody. If you are a practicing new Christian or if you are a Latter-day Saint, um, I'm not trying to like harsh your mellow in terms of your beliefs. Like your beliefs are your beliefs and I'm not telling you that those are wrong. I am saying from a textual folkloric standpoint, something that is often misinterpreted is that angels are like humans who are now in like a different phase, right? People will be like, oh, you know, grandma died and now she's a guardian angel watching over us. Categorically untrue. Angels are a completely different class of being. (laughs) I'm sorry, just the wording of that. I'm like, oh, did you think your grandma was an angel now? You're wrong. Bye. I'm sorry. Um, It's kind of a downer. Like you, I'm not telling you that your grandmother is not in the afterlife. I'm not telling you she's not watching over you. Oh, no, I'm just telling you that whatever, whatever she is while she is doing this is not an angel. Angels are a completely different class of being. Just like you wouldn't look at your dog and say like, oh, I hope that someday you turn into a Bulbasaur. Like, (laughs) they're just different, right? They're very different things. Oh, yes, very much. (laughs) Well, I was going to say like uh, a cat, but then I was like, well, no, because some people do believe in reincarnation. So I'm not trying to like that's I, I realized I tried. Can't myself wait in a for one day of my dog to be a dragon. Like, but yeah. it's not. I mean, I also think dragons are real. <laughs> I hope I get reincarnated as a dragon. I mean, but angels are real. Yes, but they are not part of the reincarnation cycle. Um, I uh, was told by um, a friend of my great aunt's, um, a late friend of my great aunt's, when I was very young. Uh, I did a session. She was psychic, and mm-hmm. we did a, se- did a session with her. And a lot of it I won't like reveal because it was like kind of personal stuff. But um, I remember she did tell me about my guardian angel. And she did tell me the name of my guardian angel. And I was very confused because I thought my guardian angel's name was, like, was super basic for a guardian uh-huh. angel. And also, I didn't know anyone by this name. But she was like, your guardian angel's name is Rachel. And I was like, who's Rachel? But so nice. Yeah, so the guardian... This, anyway. Yeah, and we'll get into some of this because it's all very fascinating. Rachel's probably super scary looking, so... I bet Rachel's, like, super dope. So we're going to talk about, you know, what angels are and more specifically what they aren't because that's a much easier thing to categorize. We're going to be talking about, like, what angels look like um, and sort of what angel in a broader sense means. And I do want to clarify again, I hope nobody was, like, turned off from this episode by the mention of angels and just being like, well, I'm not, you know, a religious individual. I don't want to listen. Because, again, um, this isn't strictly a religious lens. This is, for me at least, much more of a folkloric lens. This is much more of a a mythological lens. And I'm not telling you if you are a practicer of some angel-centric religion that you are wrong or that angels aren't, like, valid in occupying some sort of faith-based space. That's very much a part of their history and very much a part of their identity and purpose. I'm just telling you that for the purposes of this particular exploration, we're going to be talking much more about, like, cultural footprint. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, things that angels are not. As we already previously established, they are not human beings who have entered the next phase of their life. That's not part of the angel deal. That's not... That's just not what angels are. Angels are a completely different thing. They're a different being. They're a different entity. They're a different, like, entire sort of plane of existence. Mm -hmm. Sometimes literally, depending on what sort of text you're operating from. Um, There are a lot of texts that have to deal with, like, the mysticism of angels and the mysticism of specifically Judaism that talks about angels as, like, operating a distinctly different plane of existence than Mm -hmm. humans do. They're not, like, the little precious moments figurines that your grandma has on the coffee table at Easter and Christmas, or specifically the ones that my grandma has on the coffee table at Easter and Christmas. <laughs> I don't know which precious moments figurines yours do, but I'm assuming it's kind of ubiquitous. Um, you know, the little, like, tiny oh, I know boys the, and gals. Oh, I the know. Little, the little, like, toddler moments. angels. I don't think angels go through some sort of, like, larval stage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, larval. <laughs> you know, like, human larva. <laughs> 
babies, right? Do you see a child and say, oh, that's a larva? Yes. Every time I teach the kindergartners, I think, ah, precious caterpillars. <laughs> oh, oh, I better not be a butterfly. I'm still cocoon goo. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but so they're not those. Yeah. They're not caterpillars either. They are not gendered beings. Which is important to get out of the way. They're not. They just aren't. That's not part of their entire setup. English has this whole issue of being, like, unequivocally the worst possible language for things to get translated into, while also somehow managing to be, like, one of the most, you know, ubiquitous worldwide languages in terms of being the definitive translation on things, which is just a whole mess. So it means that, like, a lot of time things get translated poorly or there's, like, a false equivalence or a bad equivalence. And most of these texts that are dealing with angels have been translated after, like, centuries, literal centuries, of misconception, basically. So we're dealing with a lot of problems, but in English, specifically in English before the most recent span of our existence, there was a real resistance to using non-binary pronouns. And that's something that we kind of need to get used to, I think, when we're talking about angels, because mm-hmm. the concept of gender when you're talking about an ethereal being whose lifespan and concept and purpose completely surpasses anything that we as humans will ever begin to comprehend in our lifetime. Also, they like predate the invention of gender. Yeah, exactly. Like if you're looking at them from a biblical perspective, especially. Mm-hmm. like Yeah, totally. Like, the concept of gender comes with Adam and Eve. Yeah, and angels right. were around before that. Exactly. Um, and angels don't have a sort of bespoke physical form. They don't have a presentation in that way outside yeah. of the ways in which they have to sort of by necessity present to human beings when those interactions have occurred. So that the eyes don't burn out of their skulls right. and stuff. Yeah. But they themselves don't have, like, a physical form that is tied to their sense of identity. So they just get that idea directly out of your head. Okay. Um, they don't have mortal lifespans in the same way that we do. They're typically thought of as like energy beings or uh, projections or like astral sort of concepts and consciousnesses. So they don't, they aren't tied to a lot of the same things that we're tied to in terms of our conceptions of life, okay. which is part of what makes them so difficult to define what they actually are. But talking about what they aren't might help us sort of get some of these misconceptions out of the way. Yeah. They're also not strictly Christian or even monotheistic constructs. Okay. Which a lot of people think they are. Yeah. But angels as a concept do actually predate all of the major Abrahamic religions. There are angels historically or equivalencies of angels referenced in old world paganism, specifically like Celtic and Norse mythology. When you're talking about fairies or you're talking about Valkyries, that's all angel lore, really. Or if you're talking about in Buddhism or in Hinduism and shamanistic lore, when you're talking about devas or um, anything like that, those are all like generally in the same sort of sphere as angels. And so a lot of references to the kinds of things that we're seeing are being conceived of as these distinct concepts that really have nothing to do with the sort of Judeo-Christian religions. Right. Absolutely. Um, Even in actually in, in Greek lore and in Greek mythology and early Greek culture, like... There's that's where the word angel comes from. Oh, what is the what's the root of it? Do you know like the? Um, I do. It is the Greek word is. um, Let me see. I have it written down. I don't want to mess it up. It comes from the Greek um, angelos, a n g e l o s, Mm -hmm. at least in you know our alphabet, uh, which is the equivalent of the Hebrew malach, which means Mm. messenger. Angel just means a messenger. Um, So that's a thing that we'll get to in just a second when we're talking about what angels actually are. So that's the things angels aren't. Angels also aren't, and this is a big one too, they aren't necessarily like moralistic or pious in the sense that we sort of tend to recognize as like essential to their being. Angels are not by their nature inherently like good. Angels aren't inherently lofty and, like, moralistic is really the best word for it. We sort of assume that angels are, like, these intensely virtuous beings simply by the nature of being angels. And that's actually not true at all. So angel, as we were just talking about, is actually more of a job description than it is a species description. Angel is, like, a functional term, really. So angel refers to what they do more so than who they are. So I guess angels have, like, way beaten us in terms of identifying themselves by their work, but... Yeah, wow. Can't get worse than that. (laughs) Can you imagine? You're literally never off the clock. No. Well, you, like, introduce, like, you meet someone in the first thing, like, you you don't even... Hi, I'm a mailman. (laughs) Yeah, not even name first. (laughs) What's what's your name? Mailman. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you do? Mailman. (laughs) Hi, I'm Mike, the mailman of the Lord. Um... Oh, my gosh. Mailman? (laughs) Michael Mailman. (laughs) 
yeah, so our, our sort of sense that we have intrinsically of like the morality and goodness and the religious nature of angels really more derives from their relationship, at least the way that we perceive it, to the higher power that okay. they're serving. Humans really tend to love like projecting onto things. We love that. <laughs> don't say. We love it so much. And we love humanizing things. So it makes sense that when we're faced with this concept that's really not clearly defined anywhere, that we would try to find ways to fit it into our understanding of what that would look like. And if we're dealing with things that are, by their nature, closer than us, even just physically, to God, we want to assume that they're also morally and like ontologically closer to God, which may or may not be true. They're kind of unknowable and that's kind of the point a little bit. It's kind of their deal. Yeah, that's kind of their whole deal. And I mean it's it's interesting because like humans kind of have this fascination with angels that I think is really interesting. I mean I I don't blame humans. I also am human and I also am fascinated by angels. <laughs> I think they're neat. Um but our many centuries of this sort of fascination and, and desire to unpack them has led us to depict them as this sort of like perfect pious ideal of what humans could be if we were also perfect and pious in our relationship with our our god figure or our higher power and i think that's really interesting because that makes things a little bit messy like textually mm-hmm. the actions and the responsibilities of angels are a lot more clearly defined and a lot more clearly delineated than any actual description of what they like are yeah So if you're getting into, like, you know, philosophically, we talk a lot more about what they do in that school of ethics than we talk about, like, what their nature is. And it makes sense. You know, if you were writing the Bible and you were, like, channeling some divine higher power and you were channeling all of these, like, messages for humans about what humans should be and it's already, like, a hundred and something books long and you're, like, running out of time, you're not going to devote an entire section to being like, oh, by the way, there's this other thing that you won't really ever have to deal with and here's everything about them. (laughs) Right. But we sort of, I mean, just like you read a book and you find, like, the niche character that's in, like, three pages and you're like, I'm going to write fan fiction about this one. Like, we do that, right? And I think that's kind of what's happened with angels over the years. Hi, Alex. Are you familiar with a film called Michael? Actually, no, I'm not. It's, okay, well, oh, well, allow me to explain to you, and there are people probably at home listening to this who know what I'm talking about, and they're probably already losing it. Let me tell you about a little film. When you talk about angels not necessarily being uh, pious or, like, mm-hmm. moral paragons, I need to talk about the film Michael. The film Michael stars John Travolta as an angel, as the angel oh. Michael, who is – and now, to be forgive me, I, I've got some holes in my memory here because I haven't seen this film. I watched this film, like – halfway through on television when I was, like, 12. So, like, some of it's missing. But he is an angel. Okay. And he's an angel who, like, loves, like, drinking and, like, flirting mm-hmm. with ladies. Mm-hmm. And um, he's, he's there to help with something. I don't remember. But, like, a big aspect of that movie is that he's, like, kind of a sh- kind of a seedy angel and also that he smells like sugar cookies. Aw. I love that. Well, yeah, and that's a whole thing. He's, like, thing. a super sexy angel. Yeah, that's a whole thing because actually a not insignificant part of, like, the Old Testament is talking about how during the creation period of the Earth and, like, after Lucifer's whole revolution and fallen, whatever, like, however you want to classify that, um, we talk about fallen angels, right? And, mm-hmm. like, angels have the capacity to, quote-unquote, fall, which means they have the capacity to not be awesome in terms yeah. of their general religious setup. And so, like, angels do seem to have that aspect of free choice. They seem to have that aspect of, like, these are the decisions I'm going to make. And there are some theories, actually, that the sort of fallen angels, as we conceptualize them in that point of the biblical history, are the same thing as maybe, for example, like the Greek gods who came down and were, like, sleeping with a bunch of humans and, like, Ah. had this sort of power and domain over these various aspects of things that they were handling. It would be very easy for angels in that sense to portray themselves as god figures. Mm -hmm. Um, And it would be very easy for the same creatures referenced there to also be the characters that make up, like, the sort of pantheons of all of these various smaller pagan religions. Yeah. And it's you mentioned Michael, and so now I'm just thinking about how actually um, a piece of media that really, really, really surprisingly handles this well is, um, spoiler alert, if you're not caught up on the most recent season of The Good Place, you may want to, like, skip ahead or change the channel or listen to a different podcast. What channel? <laughs> I don't know. Go to a different episode. Go listen to The Adventure well, Zone. Well, no, just, like, skip. Um, or just, like, keep listening but skip ahead by, like, a little bit. <laughs> no, just I'll give you a. I'll Never give you a notice back. when it's safe to come back. I'll, like, do a little, like, hey, what's How up, guys? Welcome work? back. Okay. They can keep skipping anyway. until they hear me say, hey, guys, it's okay. 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 Sure, we'll do that. But anyway, a show that actually handles us super well is The Good Place. 
because if you're thinking specifically about Michael's arc in The Good Place, he goes for, like, angel is a thing they do, right? Architect. Architect mm-hmm. is a thing they do. Yeah. Um, architect is not necessarily a thing that, like describes anything about their general setup. It's like their job. They they go to work and they are architects. Yeah. And the same kinds of being that are architects in the good place are also like the architects in the bad place. And once you get to the second season, it's dealing with this idea of like, what is his nature fundamentally? Can he change? Can he make decisions to like better himself ethically? Is he bound to any sort of intrinsic moral code? Like, no, he's just a being who has to reckon with what it means to have this kind of power and not really understand mortality and to like make decisions about what he's going to do within the functionality of his job. Yeah. That was also like not even that spoiler heavy, to be honest. Well, I mean, yeah, but, like, if you haven't watched the second season, you haven't been on that journey. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, anyway, it's safe I to I didn't come know back. how much we were going to talk about it. Oh, I wasn't sure. I didn't know if you had anything to add or if it was just going to be me going off about my feelings for Ted Danson oh. for, like, a hot minute. Oh, man, what <laughs> a handsome man. I do love man. Ted Danson. And he's also just great. So kind. So good. I mean, he's Ted Danson, yes. Okay, now it's safe to come back because we're talking about Ted Danson. It's safe to come back. We're talking about Ted Danson and how well he wears a white suit. He really does, though. He looks great. It's, it's a, a good great look. look. I could do without the earring in that one scene. You know the scene I mean. Anyway. Uh, it's perfect. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not. Okay, anyway. Uh, so that's a whole bunch of stuff about angels. Another thing that's really fascinating. <laughs> end of episode. Bye, guys. Another thing that's fascinating about angels, and this is mm-hmm. most specifically a fascinating thing about, like, uh, again, Judeo-Christian religions, Abrahamic religions, mm-hmm. and the way that they deal with it, uh, and not so much with other religions. But since that is like the main focus through which a lot of people, religious or not, have come to understand angels, I think it's a worthwhile one to explore. Okay, which is the idea that like we have this need and this desire to depict biblical scenes and like biblical characters and and things and portrayals as like these beautiful sweeping like works of art or landscapes um but then also like we're not supposed to do that because then we are close to like making you know depictions of them that we might end up like coveting or yep. worshiping and so then we feel guilty about doing it but we don't want to like not make them perfect because that that would be like sacrilegious so there's this actually whole history of like buck wild stuff it's a difficult needle where, to thread yeah where you're dealing with like oh shoot I want to make the angels hot but like not too hot <laughs> but like if I don't is that an affront to God <laughs> look if I don't give this angel a six pack <laughs> am I going to hell if I don't render the divine glory of this angel as if he has just emerged from Bowflex heaven. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so it's fascinating yeah. because a lot of the mental image that we have of angels is like a very specific school of thought when it comes to rendering them, right? Like we're used to seeing like Sistine Chapel angels. We're used to seeing Renaissance art angels who look like ridiculously stacked humans with wings I'm used <laughs> and to soft seeing, faces. Here's what I'm used to. I'm used to either um, fat babies with wings, <laughs> yep. fat naked babies. Cherubs, yes. Um, but like with usually like inexplicably like the build of an adult man because no Renaissance painter has ever seen a baby. Right. Or like... Um, uh, like um, Swedish swim team members mm-hmm. from yeah. the Olympics, like yes. Swedish Olympic swim team members yeah. with wings. That's like it. One of my very favorite things about like Renaissance era art is that um, you weren't supposed to like be looking at people's naked bodies, but you were supposed to be painting them. <laughs> so you just end up with all these buck wild interpretations of what muscles look like or what breasts look like, which yeah, is they're oh like, what is a what is what a breast? What if we took a man and we stuck a couple <laughs> cantaloupes on there on top of the pecs? <laughs> It's insane. Not even cantaloupes, like oranges. One of my favorite things, and I was actually just having a conversation about this with my brother the other day, is um, babies in old paintings because oh. people don't know what babies look like. They're like, you mean very small, very stacked men, right? <laughs> and so you'll find all these pictures where it's like the mother is lovingly rendered and then the baby Jesus is like ripped. <laughs> and their proportions are literally just the proportion of like an adult man, but small. A tiny adult man with a giant with a giant head. And, like, the proportions of the body are so wrong and also very muscular. And it's really uncomfortable. It's one of the most confusing things for your brain to look at. And it's just like... Has nobody seen a baby? <laughs> Do you know what I like even more than the than the babies? In Is old it the cats? They yes. old cats and they don't know what cats. Beautiful like. still lifes of like lovingly <laughs> rendered like photorealistic almost flowers and fruit, uh-huh. and then a and cat, a cat that like, looks Rah. like a loaf of bread. You know what a cat looks like, right? Oh, for sure, definitely. Yes. <laughs> it looks like a loaf of bread with a strange lizard face. I for sure know cats. 
Oh my gosh. So um, that's actually a very good segue because the next like sort of topic of discussion is what do angels actually do they look, look like? like cats? What do they look like? Do they look like cats? I probably not. But no. Oh, well, then why are we even having this conversation? When we're talking about the way that angels look, the thing that sort of like makes sense to me is to think of it as like that galaxy brain meme. You know what I'm talking oh, about, yeah. right? Yeah. Where it's like, for our less hip listeners, you've got a couple different pictures of brains and then ideas that are like increasingly intellectual. You guys all know what memes are, I hope. I think. I know I'm, I sound like the most awkward person in the world being like, are you familiar with the galaxy brain meme? I sound like the <laughs> hey Wendy's kids, Twitter what do you like, memes? Do you kids like memes? Hi, teens. This is me, Alex, <sighs> your boy, coming at you. Um, so I think that like, the perception of angels is fascinating in that way because it starts with like this this sort of base level like still brain idea of like what do babies look like or what do angels look like which is like beautiful winged babies right and then you have like the like the the elevated brain idea which is like no angels are actually like monstrous spirits with so very many eyes and then like exploding brain is like no angels are horrible manticores with like four heads and a billion faces and <laughs> eyes everywhere and no wings and so much terror encoded in every fiber of their being and then, like, the galaxy brain takes, like, we just literally don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have no freaking clue. Sometimes they're all of those things. I Sometimes they're like, none of those things. Have I read a description of an angel having a wheel covered in eyes? Yes. Okay. Cool. Yes, you Thank probably you. have in, like, Revelations, I think. Thank you. I was trying to figure out where that image could have possibly come from, aside from, like, my nightmares. Yeah, so there are a billion different takes on what angels look like. That is partially due to, uh, again, like, artistic renderings that then sort of become canonical. It's also partially because there are a lot of different kinds of angel, depending on what you're looking at. There is something of a hierarchy to angels. There's like a class system for angels. So like, sorry guys. <laughs> oh. That sucks. Uh, although I don't think it's so much like a delineated like, these angels are the best angels and these angels are millennial angels. I think it's like, <sighs> angels just serve different roles, right? Again, right. we're talking as angels a job description. It's like, they're angels that do different things. It's like, are you the manager angel? Or are <laughs> right. you like, yeah. I'm just an entry-level angel, but I did have to have 6,000 years experience. I'd to like to speak job. to a manager angel, please. <laughs> the other interesting thing, though, is that, like, we're basing our understanding of the entire social structure of angels on an extremely limited number of textual interactions with them. Yeah. So there are places where, like, it is, it is canonized as, like, this is the layout of angels and, like, this is the hierarchy of angels and, like, these are the best angels and, like, these angels are responsible for this. And sometimes that's, like, very, very textually accurate, but a lot of times it does seem to be kind of extrapolated. Mm. So I found this table on um, whyangels.com, literally W-H-Y angels, like, why, why angels? Why angels? Why angels.com backslash what do angels look like <laughs> .html. <laughs> it's very good. They're straightforward here. I like them. But this this table is describing, like, the classifications of angel and, like, their appearance and how many of them we think there are in that classification and then what their, like, specific job is. Okay. So um, the first one it describes are ordinary angels, which I think has got to be the worst. We're like, oh, I'm an angel. Oh, what kind of angel are you? Oh. It's an ordinary <laughs> Next angel. question. And there what's up, guys? My name's uh, shoot. What's the name of another angel that isn't Michael? Gabriel. Sorry. There you go. What's up, guys? My name's Gabe. I'm just an ordinary angel. I'm just an ordinary, average teen angel. Teen angel. Teen angel. Uh, that's definitely already a movie, right? Well, Teen Angel's the character in Greece that sings "Beauty School Dropout," a song that is like way meaner than it needed to be. <laughs> Does anyone want to talk about how Teen Angel in Greece is really mean to Frenchie for no reason? Yeah, it's super like weird. I get that she needs a wake up call, but he's mean. There's literally a part. In Beauty School Dropout, sung by Teen Angel, in the uh, critically acclaimed film Grease. I believe he's played by Frankie Avalon in the movie, which is hilarious because it's Teen Angel, but he's like 35-year-old to 40-year-old Angel in that moment. But like... You know, teens. You know, that's mean. He might be like 30, but he's like an adult man. Um, and like visibly older than everyone else on screen. But um, Yeah, but also how old is everyone else in that movie? Yeah, but that's true. So he is definitely like 40-something because he looks older than them. He doesn't mm -hmm. like... If they're teens, he looks older than them. Yeah. But, um, and I put air quotes on teens, but there's a part of that song where he pretty much just tells Frenchie she's ugly. <laughs> He's like, you think you're such a looker. And I'm like, where are your thousands of eyes, Frenchie? <laughs> <laughs> you're nothing. <laughs> oh, oh, you did your hair pink? That's cute. My hair is made of fire. <laughs> My hair is 16 different colors that you have no concept of. <laughs> Only a mantis shrimp can see the colors of my hair. All right. Oh, amazing. Um, so I'm just going to read these descriptions to you verbatim yeah, because there's no way I can top them. Do it. So ordinary angels. Appearance. Handsome young men. No wings. <laughs> 
<laughs> so just so just hot guys. Just hot boys. Number, thousands plus. Roll. Messengers, jailbreakers, rescuers, etc. I really don't understand how these are different from just regular hot guys. <laughs> they're, well, that's why they're ordinary angels. <laughs> uh, Chris, here's, here's are they just good. talking about Chris Evans? <clears throat> it's possible. All right. Here's another one. Archangel slash Michael. <laughs> Handsome young men. No wings. I'm starting to see a really uncomfortable parallel here that John Travolta is involved in a lot of angel-based media. Oh, weird. Number. Probably one. Or possibly seven. <laughs> uh, which I'm getting from this is that there is one Michael. There are possibly seven archangels if those all are the same category of thing as Michael. So there's, you know, between one and seven. Probably one. Possibly seven. Um, Roll. To protect the Jewish nation and herald the second coming. Hmm. Uh, Okay. Next type, Gabriel. Again, handsome young man, no wings. None of these guys have wings. Number, only him. Roll, God's special messenger. Aw. Nice. Here comes a special boy. Right, <laughs> Here comes stop. a special boy. Okay, so now we're getting more into, like, broad categories. Yeah. Um, the seraphim. Oh, I know about the seraphim. Yeah, also known as the ones of love or the fiery ones. Their description is uh, six wings, two covering their face, two covering their feet, and two for flying. Why do they have feet wings? Yeah. Is that what they have instead of shoes? Number. More than one, possibly four. Nice. Um, and roll is being around God's throne to sing his glory. Oh, they just sing. <laughs> How extra do you have to be? Alex. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think it's amazing. Um, you were talking about, like, instead of wearing shoes, like, having wings on their feet. And I just wanted to do a callback to when we were talking Hermes. about. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. I love Hermes so much. Me too, I will man. take Me any too. opportunity to talk about Hermes. Hermes is good. Uh, next up is the cherubim. Which, when you're talking about, like, little baby guys, that's what usually people are thinking of, right? They're like, oh, cherubs. Like, mm. the little tiny Precious Moments guys. Not so. Oh. Appearance. Four wings covered with eyes all around. <laughs> so not, in fact, naked babies. Not, in fact, naked. Well, or maybe naked babies with wings and just covered in eyes. It's impossible to say. Oh, God. No one draw that. How many? More than one. Possibly four. Purpose? To guard God's domain. So the cherubim are like the guardians. Like They're the bouncers. The They're the bouncers. And I'm wondering how we got from that to, like, associating Cupid with, like, cherubs. I yeah. have literally no clue. Very good question, actually. Especially when Cupid is not even from the same like world yeah. of I don't know, dude. storytelling. Also, that would explain why they have so many eyes. They got to keep an eye on everybody. Oh yeah, they do you literally see, have do you one see eye my for every. Person. I don't see your name on the list. Can you check again? No, that won't be necessary. I'm still looking at it. Uh, next category is just called the four living creatures. Description: six wings and covered with eyes all around, even under the wings. Mm. Number four. Um, also, purpose is also being around God's throne to sing his glory. Okay. A lot of singers. And then it goes along to classify uh, Lucifer slash Satan slash the devil. Appearance unknown. Number only him. Purpose, uh, none. <laughs> there is none listed. <laughs> oh. Uh, fallen angels slash evil spirits slash demons. Appearance, again, unknown. Number thousands? Purpose Fair. not specified. I would imagine. Yeah. Punishing the wicked doers, evil one, evil guys, or something. Eh. It's been a long time eh. since I've been to since I've been to Sunday school, but don't worry about it. So yeah, when we're trying to figure out like appearances of these various angels and like their roles and the jobs they occupy, again, it's a tricky issue because like one, we have very limited sources even in the texts that we do have, which again, mm. just to clarify, are texts that have been like rewritten and redacted and retranslated and, and put back through Google Translate a million more times and then passed through, like, literally hundreds of countries and, with vastly varying yeah. censorship laws over thousands of years. And isn't even, in the, isn't even the only take on angels. Yeah, that's like a delineation of one pool of monotheistic religions in a text that, again, has only, like, the clumsiest set of equivalencies between them and drastically different interpretations of what that means even within the same language and the same text as time goes on. So... The bottom line is, again, that we really just don't know. We don't know. Um, angels, as they appear in other places, uh -huh. can be anything from, like, Zoroastrianism's, like, angels and their minor deities to, like, pagan fairies, which we've talked about. There's a whole episode on fairies if you haven't checked out fairies yet. It's a good one. As they specifically occur in Celtic mythology, that is actually a lot of overlap with, like, the kind of roles that we're talking about for angels and the kinds of beings that they might also be. It's not necessarily 
wrong to think of angel as like a categorical term for creatures of a more spectral and spiritual nature that sort of exist in a plane that overlaps ours. Mm-hmm. Um, we also talked, again, I mentioned Valkyries. I would love to just do, like, an episode on Valkyries at some point, so I'm we not going to deep dive on yeah. that right now. Um, but if you're reading descriptions of, like, Norse Valkyries and the jobs that they occupied as, like, ferrying people across or guarding over, like, areas or, like, sitting at the throne or singing glory, like, these are all roles that angels have occupied. And if we're talking, again, about angel as a job description, like, that there's a lot of crossover there in mm-hmm. a lot of different mythologies Absolutely. all over the place. Talking about Hermes, again, like winged feet. He's, he's a messenger. messenger. It's his whole job. Like, that's not incorrect. And there is, of course, the school of thought. It's like angels maybe are just sort of appearing in whatever way they can appear to make sense to us or whatever way they want to appear. You know, they don't have, again, a physical manifestation in this world. Yes. My name is Castiel and I'm an angel of the Lord. Isn't it more like, my name is Gosdale and I'm an angel of the Lord. Yeah, but I can't do that voice because it hurts. Oh. They all talk like that on that show. That could be any character <laughs> on that show. Hi, I'm every character from Supernatural. The funny thing, this is a separate little Supernatural tangent. Someone put together a comparison of their voices in the first episode oh, of season one. And like, yeah, and it is dropped like a full octave. Mm-hmm. Um, but in all seriousness, Supernatural does talk a little, dive pretty heavy into angel lore. Mm-hmm. Especially given like, um, not in the in the universe of that, uh, angels have to take on a human vessel in order to right. appear to people without, you know, burning the eyes out of their skulls. Because our, we're not meant to see that or something. Mm-hmm. It's... A whole thing. Yeah, which is, I mean, again, like, maybe not an incorrect take. There's a lot of room to play with on that because you'd be hard-pressed to find something where you say, this is how I think angels show up. You couldn't go back and be like, well, actually, I found text that says that they never do that ever. It's like, for the most part, it's pretty wide open. They don't Mm -hmm. really know. Um, And where we can sort of really start to see that is that I have actually some angel sightings. I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah, there are a bunch um, and so what I want to start with, actually, is an interview with somebody who um, – and let me pull it up for you. I don't want to don't want to do you dirty in terms of the description of what this individual is doing. Thanks, but dude. this is an interview with someone who was collecting a whole bunch of experiences from people who had angel encounters, um, which I think sort of synthesizes really well a lot of the commonalities as well as some of the differences between them and how these experiences have come from people from a vast variety of religious and non-religious backgrounds. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I know a lot of people, um, and I I spend a lot of time with a lot of very, like, new age hippie types, Mm -hmm. and I know a lot of people who are not really religious in the traditional sense and who are way more, like, this is a cliche, but way more like spiritual or like right, sure. just kind of open to all these possibilities who are very into the concept of angels. Yeah, totally. Um, or even just like the more sort of generic term that a lot of people are using in like the Gwyneth Paltrowy New Agey circles is like spirit guides, which to me does sound a little bit appropriative. And I'm sure it comes from some places that maybe don't belong to them. Oh, but, it definitely does. But um even that concept of just, like, an entity that is here for me to help me get through a thing. Or mm-hmm. entities that I can contact or sense the presence of in ways that are not necessarily visual. Or, or yeah, are messengers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it not only starts mm-hmm. to sound a little bit like fairy lore or a little bit like, um, you know, the again, the idea of, like, devas in, like, Buddhism or, or Hinduism or, like, those sorts of things. These idea of, like, these messenger spirits or these assistive entities that are there to guide you or shepherd you or, like, send or communicate with you in that messenger role. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be anything. A lot of people feel that way. Or just, like, even ghost encounters that people have sometimes can fall very squarely into this sort of mm-hmm. general umbrella. So this um, article is entitled Encounters with Angels, Interview with Emma Heathcutt. By Gil Fry was the person who wrote. So Emma Heathcote, or Heathcote, I think it's Heathcote, though, is from Birmingham in the United Kingdom. Okay. Uh, She is a 22-year-old graduate, or was at the time of this article, of theology from Birmingham University, was researching angel encounters in hopes to show that people of all religions and those of none are having the same experiences. After placing advertisements, or advertisements... I was going to say, it's it's British. Please read it correctly. After placing advertisements in newspapers and religious magazines requesting accounts of angel experiences, she has collected a substantial numbers of testimonies. So, Share International is the interviewer here um, and says, have you had replies from people of all faiths? Emma says that she now has around 450 letters. And while the majority are from Christians, she's also heard from um, Jews, Muslims, Hindus, and many atheists. 
Um, She says that she hadn't realized how difficult it would be to hear the testimonies of people from other faiths, non-Christians. The Jewish perception of angels is connected with mysticism and the Kabbalah, so a lot of people who have had experiences from the Jewish tradition do not want to come forward unless they are very liberal in their thinking. That seems like a bit of a broad statement, Emma, but that's okay. Um, Also, writing these accounts is a hard thing to do for people because they are so personal. Many people have written saying, I'm the first person they've told, or it's only me and their husband they've told. People ask me not to mention their name because if anyone found out, they'd be completely ridiculed. So it's quite a big step for some people to write them all down. The interviewer asks, do angels appear in all religions? And Emma, again, sort of reiterates what we've talked about here, which is that as well as the frequent mention of angels in the New Testament, angels are mentioned in the Quran, the Hindu scriptures, Greek mythology, and the Old Testament. And goes on to talk a little bit about how the the Greek and the Hebrew, meaning divine spirit or, or messenger or courier in Persian, mm. um, are all words that sort of come into our modern understanding of what angels are. Mm-hmm. And that no matter where they show up in their religion or what they're called, they all seem to serve that particular role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Emma sort of perceives that role as someone or some entity or something that um, gives them hope, calm, and reassurance, and has often helped them out of a difficult or dangerous situation. Heard from one man who was waiting to cross a busy road on his way to work. Seeing a gap in the traffic, he stepped out only for an elderly lady he'd never seen before to stretch her arm out in front of his chest with such force it prevented him from crossing. Seconds later, a sports car sped past, which would otherwise certainly have hit him. He turned around to thank the woman, but she was nowhere to be seen. In that kind of life-threatening situation, the angel often then disappears. And that seems to be a commonality in a lot of these experiences. Specifically with people who are in those sorts of, like, near-death or traumatic instances, it's very much that sort of idea of, like, oh, something's going to happen, somebody stops you, you turn around, and, like, oh, they're gone. Mm -hmm. And that's very much a commonality in these particular stories. Yeah, We've never had a Mrs. Jones here before. Yeah, exactly. So that's the biggest one. Um, And there are a lot of other questions she goes on to answer. I do think it's a genuinely fascinating interview, and I think that it's— really, really interesting. She goes on to talk about how a lot of people like feel very, very strongly about their experiences, as you would expect. And people who, again, have come from all sorts of different backgrounds, whether religious or, or a-religious, and even it doesn't necessarily have to change their viewpoint on what that religion is to still be like, yeah, this is an experience that I had and it it, it was real, if only mm. real to me, and, and definitely like had an impact on me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have one more that is like a an assembly of various angel encounters, and I'll read a few of those. This is yes, from please. thoughtco.com. Thoughtco? Thoughtco. Got it. T-H-O-U-G-H-T-C-O.com. Here is one from Jackie B, who I don't think is our, our good Not friend. Not our Jackie, Jackie B. B. No. Okay. But possibly, I don't know. Jackie B believes that her guardian angel came to her aid on two occasions to help her avoid serious injury. According to her testimony, she actually physically felt and heard this protective force. Both encounters happened when she was a child of kindergarten age. The first experience took place at a popular sledding hill, where Jackie was enjoying the day with her family. The young girl decided to try sledding down the steepest part of the hill. She closed her eyes and started down. I apparently hit someone going down, and I was spitting out of control. I was heading for the metal guardrail. I didn't know what to do, says Jackie. I suddenly felt something push my chest down. I came within less than half an inch of the rail, but didn't hit it. I could have lost my nose. Jackie's second experience occurred during her birthday celebration at school. She had run across the playground to place her crown on a bench. While running back to her friends, three boys tripped her. The playground was filled with metal objects and wood chips. Jackie went flying, and something hit her just below the eye. But I felt something pull me back when I fell, Jackie says. The teacher said that they saw me sort of fly forward, then fly back at the same time. As they hurried me to the nurse's office, I heard an unfamiliar voice keep telling me, Don't worry, I'm here. Wow. That's one that... Um, rides that line that we're talking about with ghosts that could Mm -hmm. easily be like a ghost encounter to somebody too. Like be like, I've had this spirit watch over me because I've Mm -hmm. heard a lot of stories before from people say that they had like a spirit like latch onto them and like keep it, keep them safe as they were Mm -hmm. going through their childhood and everything. That's really interesting. Here's another one that's kind of fascinating. Yeah, give me. The Reading Angel. It's remarkable how many stories of angels come out of hospital experiences, which is very true. Most of these that I've read have some sort of hospital element to them. It's very, very common. Mm -hmm. It may not be so hard to understand why when we remind ourselves that there are places of sharply focused emotions, prayers, and hope. Reader, debay lore baby. (laughs) (laughs) And this is not me making fun of somebody's name. This is clearly a screen name. Yeah. They just... Anyway, entered the hospital in 1994 with acute pain from a fibroid tumor the size of a grapefruit in her uterus. The surgery was successful but more complicated than expected, and her troubles weren't over. 
DeBaylor baby <laughs> recalls this is very serious. I'm trying not to yeah. Recalls that she was in horrible pain. She had an allergic reaction to the morphine she was given, and the doctors tried to counteract it with other medications. Oh no. This made a bad experience even worse. She had just had a major surgery, and now she was dealing with the pain of an acute drug reaction. After receiving more pain medication, she was able to sleep for a few hours. I awoke in the middle of the night. According to the wall clock, it was 2.45. I heard someone speaking and realized someone was at my bedside, she says. It was a young woman with short brown hair and wearing a white hospital staff uniform. She was sitting and reading aloud from the Bible. I said to her, am I all right? Why are you here with me? The woman visiting her stopped reading but did not look up. She simply said, I was sent here to make sure you'd be all right. You're going to be fine. Now you should get some rest and go back to sleep. She began to read again and I drifted off back to sleep. The next morning, she explained the experience to her doctor who checked and said that no staff had visited her overnight. She asked all of the nurses and no one knew of this visitor. Wow. To this day, she says, I believe that I was visited by my guardian angel that night. She was sent to comfort me and assure me that I would be okay. Coincidentally, the time on the clock that night, 2.45 a.m., is the exact time recorded on my birth certificate that I was born. Oh, that's neat. That is neat. I'm trying not to scully that too much. My brain is immediately <laughs> like, that just sounds like a, like a, a good Samaritan kind of story, but I also... Okay, but also I don't think it was just a stranger like that was sneaking into a hospital at 2 a.m. <laughs> to just, you're right. <laughs> sit next to a stranger's bed and read out loud from the Bible. <gasps> that's I fair. think like the doctors would have been very concerned if security tapes had showed that. <laughs> Actually, you're right. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so you can scully it all you want, but it goes in a really different this direction. This is a situation where the simplest explanation is actually angel. Yeah, right? Somebody should call up the director of the movie Michael starring John Travolta and let him know, or her know, probably him know, I have no idea, that um, the movie was uh, not accurate because Michael does not have wings. Somebody should just make sure that they know. Yeah, please fix that. So that they can uh, edit him out with CGI and post for future releases of the film. Here's one that I think you'll like. Yeah, give me. This one is titled Beautiful Strange UFO or Angel. Nice. Yes, thank you. I'll take all of it. Some researchers think there might be a connection between UFOs and angel sightings. They say the angels and heavenly figures encountered in the Bible might actually have been extraterrestrial. I was going to say, if you're an ancient aliens type, this is yeah, like a totally. whole thing. After his experience in the 1980s with the most beautiful thing he ever saw, Lewis L. might agree with that assessment. It was a Saturday morning in Mariposa, California, and Lewis had to work that day. The air was fresh from a cool rain the night before, and the morning sky was bright with a few scattered clouds. I was heading out to my car in the back parking lot of the apartment complex where I lived when I noticed someone kneeling next to my car, Lewis says. This person saw me and quickly stood up holding a crowbar. The young man was quite obviously startled by Lewis's interruption, and although Lewis sensed the boy was up to no good, it hadn't yet hit him what he was doing. Then Lewis looked through the passenger window of his car and saw that the steering wheel column had been stripped of its cover. He realized that the young man was trying to steal his car. I asked him what the hell he was doing, Lewis recalls. He gave me a lame story about his friend's car being stolen last night and that my car looked like his friend's and so on. I didn't want to hear it. I told him I was going to call the police, which I did on my cell phone. Lewis dialed 911 and gave the dispatcher the address. He told the would-be thief that the police were on their way and warned him not to leave. The boy said he would wait for the police, but Lewis could tell he was just waiting for the right moment to make a run for it. If he did, I wasn't going to try to stop him, because his adrenaline was pumping and he had that crowbar, Lewis says. Fair. As Lewis, Smart. As Lewis was grilling the young man, trying to detain him, he began to notice three rather large clouds and a single file formation that were almost overhead. Then I saw it, he says, a shiny object exiting from the first cloud and entering the next and then coming out of that one. It was shiny, like brightly polished chrome, and moving at a good speed. I couldn't make out the shape. By this time, Lewis was so distracted by the UFO that the punk saw his chance and took off. The That's punk. when the object entered the last cloud. From there, it was nothing but open sky. When it emerged, my life changed, Lewis says. There against the richness of the blue sky was a silvery shape that seemed to have arms and legs. It was so beautiful to look at. At the same time, it had the appearance of metal. It looked like some kind of a ship with a strange design. The best way I can describe it is it looked like silverware in the design of the stick men children draw. It was huge, moving fast, and made no noise. As it sailed overhead, some of the limbs would move up and down, giving the impression of being a living entity. It made a couple of rolls, reflecting the sun in every direction. Just beautiful. As it started to fade away from my view, I found myself short of breath and with tears running down my cheeks. It had that much of an effect on me. I began thinking, maybe that's what an angel looks like. Maybe not. Was that it? Yep. Oh my god, that was in that was unbelievable. Yeah, wild. Okay, one. Okay, two two possibilities here. Actually, three. No, yeah, actually three <laughs> possibilities here. One's boring and I don't like it, so I'm just gonna say. Okay. One of those like big giant like uh like parade balloons has has gotten away and it's some sort of shiny man balloon. But other two, I don't imagine mm -hmm. it would have that much of an intense emotional impact on someone if it right. were one of those. Other two options. One. Angels are giant metal figures that look like shiny, giant, big, shiny, shiny boys. Right. 
Giant, so shiny. And they fly around in broad daylight in the sun, uh, in the in the sky. Two, and this is the one I like. Mm-hmm. Aliens, aliens. That's their spaceship. Mm-hmm. And they were trying really, really hard to make a spaceship that would like blend in and look like a person. <laughs> they were like, "What do people look? What's familiar to people? <laughs> what are humans?" They saw drawings. They saw children's drawings oh, of stick figures, and good. they thought, "That's oh yes, a man." And they uh-huh. made that. This will and do nicely. That. And like. This is like another. This is like a weird thing, but like, there's a lot of like alien stories that talk about them using this like like sonar or like these like wa- wavelengths that like mm-hmm. have like weird emotional effects on people. I'm just saying, like it like affects the brain weirdly oh, yeah. and like activated this like emotional sensor and like fair cause this reaction. And also, just in general, there's a lot of people who theorize things like a- aliens and angels having overlap, and I just think it's a very neat idea. Oh yeah, I mean, and actually, I was thinking about this earlier when I was taking my notes. Is that like no matter what angels look like, it's got to be pretty buck wild because a like. A thing with angels in text is them being like, fear not. Yeah, do, do not, not be, be afraid. afraid. And I'm like, that's a very alien thing to say. Yeah. It's like, if the angel we that come appeared... In peace. If the angel that appeared to Mary just looked like a hot dude, just looked like John Travolta with like... Hey, don't freak out, Mary. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't have to say that. Because clearly, this is a frightening looking thing. Although, to be fair, <laughs> if just like a so handsome young man <laughs> appeared to poor Mary alone and said, hey... Don't freak out or anything, but you're going to have a baby. Like, I would be very intimidated for very different reasons. I would be very afraid. I would fret. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. And she was not. (laughs) Okay. But if he hadn't said that, right? Like, if he just showed up and said, hey, Mary. (laughs) Guess what? No, I think it does track that they're scary looking because they do say be not afraid a lot. Yes, they certainly do. And that's like a a, a very alien thing. Say too. Yeah. It is. We come in peace. We Don't come in out. peace. Here's uh, one last one. To that serve I'll share with man. You. And I like this one because oh. this is another one that's very like yeah, give me. sort of mundane, but it's got that like spooky benevolent thing at the end. Mm. Spooky benevolence. My new brand. Mm. Back in 1980, Deb was a single mother with two infants mm. living in San Bernardino County, California. Deb. She occasionally needed reliable babysitters. Fortunately, her parents lived only about 30 miles away in Alta Loma. Deb would usually drop off the children at her parents' house, go do what she needed to do, then pick them up in the evening. One night, Deb had retrieved her babies from her parents' place and was heading home. It was relatively late, about 11.30 p.m. Deb was driving her old clunker. Her words, not mine. Among the, cars, among the car's many deficiencies, the gas gauge was broken, requiring her to guess when the old thing needed fuel. Occasionally, her guessing was off. Halfway home, the car started to sputter, Deb remembers, and I realized I was on empty. I pulled off the first ramp I could, and it just happened to be one that was slightly uphill. Almost at the top of the exit, my car died, and there was absolutely nothing around except empty fields and distant lights at a truck stop about a quarter of a mile down the road. With no cars in sight, Deb didn't know what to do. The kids were asleep, and walking miles while carrying two kids in the middle of the night was not a good option. This was before cell phones, so she couldn't call for help. I put my head on the steering wheel while saying a short and panicky prayer, she says. I hadn't even finished when I heard a few taps on my window. When she looked up, she saw a clean-cut young man standing there, who Deb estimated to be about 21 years old. He motioned for her to roll down her window. I remember I was surprised, Deb says, but I wasn't even the slightest bit afraid, even though I normally would have been terrified. The young man was dressed well and had a faint smell of soap. Huh. He didn't ask if she needed help. Instead, he told her to put the car in neutral and he would help her over that last small hill toward a place where she could get gas. I thanked him and followed his instructions. The car started moving. I steered it toward the lights of the truck stop and turned around to yell thank you again to him, Deb says. He was so nice. My car kept moving, but the young man was nowhere in sight. I mean, this area was completely remote. There was absolutely nowhere he could have gone that quickly, even if there was somewhere to go. I don't even know where he came from to begin with. Why didn't he smell like sugar cookies? Hollywood keeps telling me lies. Hollywood's full of lies. Well, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's fine. But he was a handsome young man with no wings. Okay, maybe it's because he wasn't an archangel. Maybe only archangels smell like sugar. Maybe. Cookies. It's possible. Like, that's the whole thing. Maybe that's just like Michael's cologne. It's fair. Maybe he just like, see, that's the thing. Maybe he didn't smell like that. Maybe he just landed on Earth and went to Bath and Body Works and got that warm vanilla <laughs> sugar lotion. Yeah, he just went right to Bath and Body Works. He's like, I want to smell so good. Uh, and he wore, and he, like, um, the first human he saw was like a 12-year-old girl. He was like, where's the best smelling place in town? And she was like, Bath and Body Works. <laughs> he was like, yeah. <laughs> That's the part they don't show you in the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, you know, it was left on the cutting room it was, floor. Yeah, it was cut for time. Uh, when he goes and just buys, like, an industrial-sized tub of uh, warm vanilla sugar <laughs> lotion from Bath & Body Works. Anyway, <laughs> that's my hot take on the film, Michael, that people don't believe me exists. Look it up. It John is Travolta's an angel and he smells like cookies. So that's basically what I've got for you today. 
it's a lot. It was like a long, like, like strange trip. I like. Yeah, it. and I, I know, I, I do want to apologize because, like, again, there's a lot of stuff that, like. I can't deep dive into. And there's a lot of stuff that I am not by any means an expert on. I've not studied for years and years and years in many of these religions. I did grow up with like a Christian household. So a lot of that I'm Mm. more familiar with. And I feel less wary of like stepping on Christianity's toes. And I do stepping on a lot of other toes. So I'm not going to try to like condescend to anyone with my very rudimentary knowledge of Zoroastrianism, for example. Yeah, but for sure. There is so much overlap in so many of these things, and it is really fascinating. And if you ever do want to take the time to like deep dive into any of those, you'll find a lot of lore that corroborates itself across all of these various spectrums of, you know, the the human experience, the human experience of spirituality. And for me, like something that I've always found to be super, super beautiful. Um, and I, I don't consider myself to be a religious person, but something that I find really deeply wonderful and deeply fascinating and just like kind of beautiful in a sense that doesn't even necessarily have to mean anything is that so many places and so many cultures and so many prophets and so many writers and so many like spiritual leaders all came up with like the same concepts independent of each other in various corners of the world at various points throughout history with drastically different influences and drastically different lived experiences and coming from different backgrounds. Like, there are so many things that have come up, like, in really different, beautiful and distinct ways. But, like, there are so many constants. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really, really cool. And I think no matter what your reasoning for that is, whether your reasoning is like, well, clearly it means that these things are out there and they're real and humans are experiencing through different lenses. I'm like, that's totally fair. And I think all of those internalizations of that information are super valid, no matter what yours might be. Or even if that's just to use something that speaks to the beauty and the continuity of, like, the shared human consciousness, like, there's something there to tap into, and I think that's really cool. Absolutely. The human experience is varied and different across the board, but there are things that unite us. There are unifying factors, and there are things that make us all universally human. And I think yeah, that's in both a special. literal and, like, sort of a mythological way, which I think mm-hmm. is really, really cool. It's the same way you see, not to bring back dragons, but you see dragons in every dragons form are of everywhere. storytelling all across the world with different names and different ideas and different ways they look. That's just because dragons are real. Well, yeah. Also ghosts. Also, yeah. Which are also real, and you see them in every culture. You also see vampires of some kind in every culture, which means they're probably real. And they're also, we're also afraid of the same kind of things, and that brings me to a whole separate conversation. That's like an entirely different thing. I get yeah, super we'll get excited there. about that cultural memory and I love like it. I fear. Think it's so cool. <sighs> um, and that ties into like evolutionary stuff. It's like a whole thing. But anyway, regardless, I think if there's one thing you can take away from this episode, I think it can be two things you can take away from this episode. One, we're all a lot more alike than we think. And two, Angels shop at Bath and Body Works. I think we can all agree to that. <laughs> I think we can all agree on both of those, actually. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us through our brief and unintentional hiatus. We are hopeful to uh, get things back on track, and hopefully our summer will line up a bit before Addison is off to L.A. and greater things. And then, yeah. And Stranger Things. <laughs> and Stranger Things. Quite literally, it's the theme for Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios in Hollywood this year. <laughs> I want to go. Anyway, this okay. is a whole separate Proud thing. of you. Thank you. Uh, so thank you for sticking with us. Uh, as always, you can find us on our various socials. We are on Twitter at CryptKeepPod. We are on Facebook as The Cryptid Keeper. You can also come join our group, which is the Cryptid Keeper Appreciation Group. It's a group of listeners and like-minded fans and friends. And um, Addis and I are both there in the mm-hmm. group as well. Like, So we're in there and many of the people who have been our, our guests on various guest episodes are in that group as well. It's a really cool place. There's like memes. There's cool discourse. There's weird polls. There's like amazing art. It, it's everything you could possibly want. Yeah, it's a want. really fun space. Um, and then um, you can also, if you have a listener story you want to share or you just want to reach out and say hello or send us maybe um, like if you have art or just anything you want to share, you can send it to us uh, at our email address. That is cryptkeeppod at gmail.com. C-R Y-P-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. You also can find us on Patreon at The Cryptid Keeper. If you are not a Patreon donor, that is totally fine. We appreciate all the support you give us in all of your myriad ways, even if that support literally just amounts to having downloaded this one episode. Seriously. It's a part of the entire puzzle, and it's perfect, and we love it. That having been said, there are some perks to being on our Patreon. Um, If you're above a certain tier level, we are getting ready to host another movie night because that was the result of the Patreon poll that I put out for some of our listeners. Nice. Um, Also, if you're a patron of any level at all, whether you're donating a dollar or you're donating a hundred dollars. If you're donating a hundred dollars, please let me know 
know because I don't think it's going through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you are, you can listen to our sort of secret second podcast, which is A Horror Borealis. It's an actual play campaign podcast of the Powered by the Apocalypse system monster of the week. It's a lot of fun. We have a great time doing it. Um, and it's I, I think it's a really fun time. I'm biased, I think it's a of good course, time. but I think it's a great time. I think it's really fun. We like, we have fun. <laughs> yeah. Thank you again to our sponsor this week, Studio Headphones. Again, if you are in the market for a new set of buds, if you want to get a present for somebody that you know and love, um, we recommend them. We think that they're just really, really wonderful, high-quality headphones. We are speaking from personal experience because we have sets and we totally love them and use them for everything from audio editing to running to, like, falling asleep at night. They're comfy. Mm-hmm. They're practical. They're excellent. And if you go to their website and use our code KEEPER, K-E-E-P-E-R, you can snag yourself a sweet discount count yeah you can put them in your ears <laughs> that's a tagline just for free so anyway that brings us to a close so as always we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there <laughs>